0: hey turn to first peter chapter 4 first peter chapter 4 do appreciate you praying for us while we made a quick trip to Pennsylvania everything went well and appreciate brother Hoyle filling in for me as well first peter chapter 4 <clears throat> verses 7 through 11 Last week we talked about arming ourselves with the right kind of mind. and It's going to continue a little bit about that. In verses 7 through 11 the Bible says, But the end of all things is at hand. Be therefore sober and watch unto prayer. And Above all things have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as of the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Title of this message tonight: Simply Living in Light of Eternity. Living in Light of Eternity. Let's pray, Heavenly Father. We do thank you again for the privilege and opportunity we have to open your precious Word. I pray that you would speak to our hearts and encourage us and challenge us and bring conviction where conviction is needed. Of the need to glorify you in all things. We'll careful to praise you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, when Peter here, of course, says the end of, the end of all things is at hand, the phrase is at hand means to draw or come near to or to approach. You know, all the New Testament writers, most of them, wrote speaking as if the last days were near of course it's been almost 2000 years or been over 2000 years for some of them um, but we un- we understand when they meet when when we talk about the second coming of the of the lord we say his coming is imminent that means it could be at any time but it may be somewhere in the future but it could happen at any time we don't know you know, no man knows the day nor the hour the Son of Man cometh, Jesus said. And so we're not to spend a lot of time speculating as to when that's going to happen. Uh, that's just a recipe for disaster or making yourself look stupid like some guys have. You know, Harold Camping, I don't know how many different dates he had picked throughout his ministry when the Lord was going to come, and he never did. So, But anyway, uh, but the Lord is at hand. And and, and as as we think of that, the, the end of all things is at hand, or the Lord is at hand. There's another application here we can make here, is that: is that is this. The Lord is always at hand. He's always aware. He's always near. When, when uh, Paul was speaking to the uh, Athenians, again he said, He's not very far from any one of us, in Acts chapter 17. So he's always near. And we need to keep that in mind as we live our pilgrimage here on earth. And that one day he is coming and we will have to give an account. Verse 5 says, Who shall give give account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead? For for this cause was the gospel preached also to them that are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to the Spirit of God. So as we think about living in light of eternity living in light of the fact that we are going to have to stand before the Lord, we need to, first of all, keep a right perspective on life. If you notice in verse 7, he says, The end of all things is at hand. Be therefore sober and watch unto prayer. Now, the word sober and the word watch are very similar. Uh, the word sober here means to be in one's right mind. To be in one's right mind. You remember the maniac of Gadara. And after Jesus healed him, they found him sitting at his feet and in his right mind. And that's the idea here. Uh, we, we, need to be, we need to keep ourselves in a right mind, a right frame of mind. Uh, it, it carries with it the idea to put a, a moderate estimate Upon oneself. You know a person that thinks highly of himself. Isn't in his right mind. He isn't in his right mind. In Romans chapter 12. And verse 3. Romans 12 and verse 3. He says for I say through the grace given unto me. To every man that is among you. Not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. But to think. And here it is. Soberly. According as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. So he's, we're to have a right mind. We're, to, we're not to think of ourselves more than we ought. Uh, so we're having a moderate estimate upon our, of our oneself. Uh, you know, a lot of people have, this, have a wrong idea or a wrong mind. Young, young some, sometimes young people tend to think that parents are too narrow and restrictive from the world. They think that they can be friends of the world and have world relationships so that they can infiltrate and affect the world better. The only problem is it never seems to work out that way. I can give you some lists of names that have tried that, that road. You know, They think that we're just a little bit too narrow. We're to, we don't associate enough with the world. Or, or you know, we, should, we should send our kids to the public school. We need to infiltrate the public school. I've heard that already. Well, that's a recipe for disaster. Because young people's minds are moldable. They're moldable. They're still learning what life is all about. And to put them into that, and even adults. See, adults take that road and end up, you know, their lives are a disaster. It, it's a worldly philosophy of life. You know, Proverbs 14.14 14 says this, The backslider in heart shall be filled with his own ways. His own ways. And a good man shall be satisfied from himself. But the backslider, one who's sliding away from God, going his own direction, he's filled with his own ways. He thinks he has knows better than those who have gone before him. You know, there's a lot of people that think that our type of Christianity is... Too old-fashioned and out-of-date. It just doesn't work in modern society. Well, I don't see theirs having too much effect upon the world. Proverbs 16.5 says, Everyone that is proud in heart, again, that's the idea of the mind there, is an abomination to the Lord. You know, of course, a, a one who's proud in heart is again filled with his own ways, but he's an abomination of the Lord though hand joined in hand, he shall not be unpunished. you know pride is to rebel against God's ways and God's commands it's to it's to is to proceed in our own ideas and our own understanding and God hates it so so we need to keep a right perspective on life, first of all, by being sober, to being one right one's right mind. Um, not think of too highly of yourself. Secondly, he we are to watch. We're to watch. The word watch here in Peter, 1 Peter 4, means to be calm and collected in spirit. This is a word we often think of as sober, but it's but it's word, the words translated the word watch. Calm and collected of spirit, to be temperate, to be dispassionate, circumspect. Now, the word dispassionate means to be unaffected by passion. <coughs> Excuse me. Unaffected by passion, personal feeling, or biased. So, we're to, we're, to be, we're to watch. We're not to be affected by our passions, by our feelings, or biases. We're to be temperate. That, that means we're to be under control. You know, we're, to, we're to have all our feelings under control. You know, the Bible says, be angry and sin not. Now, it's not wrong to be angry, but there's a close relationship between anger and sin. And Moses found out you know, he became angry. Instead of speaking to the rock, he struck it twice. And because of that, he was forbidden to enter the, the promised land. So we have to. We're, we're not to be affected by our passions or our feelings. Proverbs twenty three nineteen through twenty one says this: Hear thou my son, and be wise. Guide thine, guide thine heart in the way. Be not among wine bibbers, among riotous eaters of, of flesh. For the drunkard and the gluttonly sh- glutton shall come to poverty, and drowsiness shall clothe a man with rags. You know again. Those things can be a passion, wine and and as and, uh, eaters of flesh, drunkenness, all that is, is part of the passions uh, of the flesh. Proverbs 25, 28 says, He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. We we're, like, were reminded of that when we were reading the book of Jeremiah, or going through the book of Jeremiah and Sun, or not Jeremiah, Nehemiah in Sun School. Thank you. Uh, with the broken down walls. And there's a lot of problems because the walls are broken down. Uh, and, and we need to have walls in our life that control us or keep us in, on a right path. That will give us a right perspective in life. We're to watch. We're not to be overcome with any passion that defiles or hinders us so that we may be alert and prepared to every good work. It can be wine, food, pursuit of money, uh, anger problems, uh, biased and affected, uh, being biased and affected by feelings in relationships. Again, this is a this is a trap many times to young people as they're thinking about marriage, and she's just so pretty. Or he's so handsome, you know he may have a booger on his nose and a you know whatever, but he's just mr. Handsome uh, and they become emotionally involved with someone and fail to really examine them for who they are or what they are. you know they get I think they got bitten by the love bug and it turns out to be a louse. <laughs> And and you know, many times, marriage is a huge letdown. And they find out maybe he's lazy or she can't borrow water. And why didn't I see that before? It's because you're biased. You know, I'm not supposed to admit this, but I used to listen to Country Western and there was this one song about rose-colored glasses. And you've probably heard the phrase about, you know, they see things through rose-colored glasses. In other words, they're not seeing things as they really are. But, you know, we can, that that happens to us adults, too. We often are are biased to people we like. And people we like can get away with things that people we don't like can't get away with. Or we don't hold them to the same standard. That's not judging righteously. It's just, it's our human nature, you know. You know, there may be people that just, they just rub you the wrong way, and anything they do just sets you off. Not because no one else never does that. It's just because you just particularly don't like that person, you know. Now, we have to watch against all these, all these things. You know, it's always easier to see faults in other, others and people we really don't care about than seeing them in ourselves or people that we do care about and love. And we, may, and we tend to make excuses for those we love. That's a problem, personal feelings. You know, he says we are to watch against that. We're to watch. It will, and he, says, and he says this, watch under prayer. You know, these things will affect our prayer life. How we pray for ourselves. You know, we were talking about that this morning. We have to, we have to really search our own hearts and examine ourselves. And, 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 and again here, we need to watch. And how we pray for ourselves and those we love that, we're praying for the will of God. Not just what we want. You know, James talks about it when he says, you ask and you receive not, because you ask amiss. And to ask amiss is, I'm asking for what I want. It's not to glorify the Lord. It's just to fulfill my own desire. It may not necessarily be an evil, outright evil desire, but it's not for the glory of God. So, as we think about living in light of eternity, we need to keep a right perspective on life. We need to be sober. And watch under prayer. Secondly, we need to express genuine love. Notice verse 8 says, And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Genuine love. Uh, We need to, first of all, love in truth. He says we're to have fervent, Charity. The word fervent means stretched out, earnest, or constant. Now, Ephesians 4, 15, he says, Speaking the truth in love, that we may grow up in him on all things. Hebrews 12 tells us that, Whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Uh, you know, sometimes, sometimes, uh, you love is getting corrected. It isn't always pleasant. I I used to always I had this saying that I used to say all my all the time. My if if we were having a little domestic dispute or something, and you know, and I'd say, well, love must be tough. <laughs> yeah. Well, it is. Sometimes love has to be tough. Um. I I wasn't always the most compassionate person at straightening things out, you know. Uh, we Bible just say it the way it is and you have to get over it or get on it or whatever that is. Uh you know, we we didn't have the, always the uh most tactful approach always. But but uh, but we are to speak the truth. Look at look at uh well this is a familiar passage, but first Timothy three sixteen and seventeen. First Timothy three sixteen and seventeen. As all scripture is given, I'm sorry, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. Now notice this. For doctrine, that's teaching. Now that's okay. But it says for reproof. How many of you like to get reproved? But it's given us, it's profitable for reproof. And for correction, and then for instruction righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. See, if we're to, we need to love in truth, and sometimes that means reproof, and it means correction, so that we may be perfect, mature, complete, whole, truly furnished unto all good works. You know, I think that when Nathan came to David, why did he come to David? I believe it was because he loved David. And he and he and he and he said, "Thou art the man." You know, he gave him a parable, a story about how a a, a a a poor man had this one little lamb that grew up in his lap, and so on and so forth, like a child to him. And then he said, "This rich man." Uh, had some travelers come and he took the poor man's lamb and offered it. And David was furious. And he said, he'll return fourfold for this. And Nathan said, you're the rich man. You took, God gave you a kingdom and wives and you took your neighbor's wife and then slew him. Uh, You're the man. You see, it was, it was, it was Nathan's love for David that he came to David. It was uh, love for God's people that Jeremiah said to them, you know you in Babylon, build houses, dwell there. you're going to be there a while you know he told them that he told Zedekiah I was just reading the other day, he told Zedekiah, "Surrender to the king of Babylon." Zechariah was scared. He was afraid what the princess might do to him if he surrendered. And he said, fear not, but surrender, that it may be well with you. Well, it didn't turn out too well because he didn't obey. No. It was was the love of Paul had for the church at Corinth and the immoral man. Now think about this. And the the man that was being immoral that Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. 1 Corinthians 5 and verse 5. And when he said, he said, Deliver such an one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. See, it was his concern and love for the church at Corinth and for this man that he get right with the Lord. So, we are to love in truth. Love in truth. Uh, the Bible says in the Old Testament, mercy and truth hath kissed each other. So we're to have love and truth, we're also we notice here that love does not impute sin. First Peter chapter four and verse eight again it says Above all things have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Now, the word cover uh, it means it pardons or does not regard or impute but to pardon. That's what the word cover means. It doesn't mean you just overlook them. It just means you you pardon or you do not impute or you do not regard. James 5.20, James 5.20 again says, Let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death, and shall hide a multitude of sins. You know, God, God, through His love, by His love, does not impute our sin to us. John 3.16, For God so loved the world, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son to the world to condemn the world, but the world through Him might be saved. See, God loved us so that he wouldn't have to impute our sin to us. Instead, it was placed on Christ. You know, think about the same love that directed Paul to write 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 5, where he says, you deliver such a one unto Satan. Then he turns and later writes 2 Corinthians chapter 2, Look at this, please. 2 Corinthians chapter two, and verses uh, six to eight. 2 Corinthians two, verses six to eight. He says, "Sufficient to the ma- to, su- to such a man is this punishment, which was inflicted of many, so that contrariwise you ought rather to forgive him and comfort him, lest perhaps such an one should ha- be swallowed up with overmuch sorrow." Wherefore I beseech you that you confirm. Your love toward him, so that you know Paul wrote. First, he said you're to you're to you're to deliver this one unto Satan. You're in other words, they were able to vote him out of the church, have no fellowship with him, that he may be ashamed. Second Corinthians or Second Thessalonians tells us that that he may be ashamed. And then, but as a result of that, many did they put him out of the church, and many did he repented of his sin. And now Paul says, You're to forgive him. You're to forgive him. Confirm your love toward him. This is what church discipline is all about. You see, the purpose of church discipline is not to kick people out of church. You know, sad to say, because of so many churches here, and even when we we're in Pennsylvania, there's there quite a few churches in the area where, you know, instead of many, many times when a person had problems in one church, and they got disciplined, they just go to another church. I've only ever seen one time in my life where a person actually confessed and got right, and that's when we remain. There really isn't another place to go, <laughs> unless you want to drive 50 miles. The lady came forward in the church, and I talked to her about it before, and she confessed her sin. See she was immoral. And the church forgave her. And it did something to the church. I mean, it totally changed the atmosphere of the church for good. Um, There was like a, there was like a weight lifted. You know, it was like, it was like trying to preach to a wall you felt like there was something there that you could not get through. There was not liberty in the church. And after that, there was liberty. You see, that's what love does. Proverbs ten twelve says, Hatred stirreth up strifes, but love covereth, and that's the same idea here, or pardons, or does not regard, or, or does not impute them, Love covereth all sins. It was the love of God. The love of God that covers our sins, of course, through the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we're to have that fervent charity. You know, sometimes and, and I think sometimes the criticism has been, has been just. You know, independent Baptists have been accused of being critical or not You know, and I've heard people, especially in Christian schools, and Brother Hoy, you probably have have to deal with this. You know, they just say, just kick them out. Well, if he'll be willing to repent. If a person's willing to repent, you need to work with him. It all depends on the attitude. The attitude of the person, the individual. We, We ought to be desirous to help people, not just run them off. You know? One preacher said one time, he said, when I was young, I used to say, well, the door swings both ways. He said, then I realized, that was a dumb thing to say. Because he said, when they go out the door, I can't help them. Yeah. Again, not the we're to condone sin in the church or anything like that, but our, and we are to endeavor by the love of God to help them. So we need to express genuine love and concern. And that's what Jesus did. He had compassion for sinners. And sought to help them. So we need to express genuine life. Then thirdly, if we're going to live in light of eternity, we need to use our gifts that God gives willingly. Verses 9 and 10 says, Use hospitality one to another without grudging. As every man hath received a gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. You know, the, the, wor- the word gift here is uh, it's defined as a gift of grace, a favor which one receives without any merit, of course, of his own. And he talks about several things. First of all, using hospitality uh it is a gift. In Romans 12:3 gives a list of, of of the gifts there. And and he says here that we're to do this, use hospitality without grudging. And the without grudging means without secret displeasure. Oh, do we have to put them up again? Do we have to take care of them again? Do we have to, you know? Uh no we're to do it without grudging without displeasure in other words we're to do it willfully willingly and cheerfully and the idea is using what god has given to us the gifts that he's given to us to meet the needs of others and again you know hospitality first many times there were there were people that that traveled uh, ministers that traveled and people would would get, show hospitality to them and meet the needs of those that that traveled uh and he says here in verse verse uh, 10, Every man as that hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another. Well, of course, the word minister means to serve or servant. And the idea is serving the needs of others as stewards of the manifold grace of God. You know, God has abundantly blessed us. The word manifold means many and varied. As God has blessed us, we're to use what we have to minister the needs of others. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 through 19. 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19. It says, Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me. I'm sorry, I'm in 2 Timothy. 1 Timothy 6, uh, verse 17. Charge them are rich in this world, that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches. But in the living God, who giveth us, notice this, It's God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. Nothing wrong with having riches. We Americans have riches. That they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. So, again, this is the idea of hospitality here. Using the things that we have to minister to the needs of others as stewards... And again, a steward is a manager. The things that God has given us, He's given us to manage for Him. It's not ours, it's His. We're just stewards of it. We're just stewards of it. Now we're to use those things for the glory of God without grudging. Uh, he says we're also to speak. And if one has the gift of speaking, verse verse eleven, if any speak, let them speak as the oracles of God. And of course the oracles of God refers to the Word of God. So so uh, if we speak, we're speak to speak according to the Word. Uh, Ephesians four twenty nine says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of thy mouth. But that which is good to the use of edifying... And the word edifying means to build up. The idea of instruction to build up. That they may edify. Um, let no corrupt communication proceed out of thy mouth. Now I can't finish it. I interrupted myself and now I can't finish it. It's almost like having an interpreter. Um, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. But that which is good to the use of edifying that it may minister grace unto the hearers. In 1 Corinthians 4, verses 1 and 2, 1 Corinthians 4, 1 and 2, Paul says, Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. So God has made me a steward of the word of God, in a sense. But I'm to speak according to the word. We're to expound the scriptures. And that word expound means to set forth in detail. To explain. You know, Nehemiah 8.8, I 8, oh, read this the other week. says, so they read in the book of the law of God distinctly and gave the sense. And caused them to understand the reading. So what they do? They explained, they set forth in detail what the Word of God said. This is what it means. This is how it applies to your life. That's expanding the scriptures. That's what Jesus did. Look at Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. <clears throat> Luke 24 Verse 27. This is when he met the, the two on the road to Emmaus. And and so they, they, they are, of course, talking about what has happened. And, and he says in verse 27, And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expanded unto them in all the scriptures things concerning themselves. So, and, and, and they drew nigh unto the village, whither they went, and he made as though he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying... Abide with us, for just toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them, and it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread, and blessed it, and brake, and gave to them, and their eyes were open, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us, while he talked with us by the way, and while he opened to us the Scriptures? So he expounded, or he opened. In other words, he, he set forth in detail. The scriptures concerning his death, burial, and resurrection. What a meant. He caused them to understand it. Of course, this is what Paul did in Acts 17.2. And Paul, as his manner was, went into them and three days reasoned with them out of the scriptures. In Acts 17.11, he says, These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they this, received the word with all readiness of mind, and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. Then in Acts 18, 28, says that this is Apollos, For he mightily convinced the Jews, and that publicly, showing by the scriptures, same idea here, showing by the scriptures that Jesus was Christ. See, if we're going to speak, we need to speak according to the word of God. You know, Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, when he's writing, About the resurrection he says for I delivered unto you first of all that which also I have received how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. I heard an old preacher say one time that he had an old preacher say to him. This old preacher by the way could quote the whole book of Romans. And probably some others too I don't know but anyway he said, he said, brother, God is an expository preacher. He gave us the ten commandments and then spent five books explaining them. Setting them forth in detail. Explain what those commandments mean. God's an expository preacher. And he wants us to speak as the oracles of God according to the word of God. I believe that expository preaching is... Biblical method of preaching. That's why we do it. Give most of our preaching to that. So we're to speak. We're to use our gifts of hospitality. We're to speak according to, and we're to minister. Uh, notice in verse 10-11 verse, uh, 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 again. It says that every man has received a gift. Even so minister the same one to another. As good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as of the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God and all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. So we're to minister. Uh, <clears throat> if any man minister, the word minister here means to be a servant, or attendant, um, domestic, to serve, wait upon. It's really the word deacon. We get our word deacon. And that's what a deacon is. He's a servant. In Acts 6, 2, they, they were chosen to serve tables. To meet the physical needs. You know, the, 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 the situation there in the book of Acts was the, there was widows that were being neglected. And, and rather than the, the disciples said, you know, we don't want to leave the word of God in prayer and serve tables. We don't want to leave the Word of God in prayer and look after widows. We have to, we're to spend time studying the Word of God and spend time in prayer so that we can expound the Word of God. But if we're looking after widows, mowing the lawn, trimming the shrubs, cleaning the church, taking care of the decor and all the decorations. You know, I knew a guy that he, he, he tried to do the preaching the piano playing, and the song leading, and all that. It didn't go well. Why? You see, that's what others are supposed to do. That's what church is supposed to, how church is supposed to function. There's those that minister to those needs. By the way, they're just as important as anything else. That's what makes a church function. No. So the minister is supposed to minister, he's supposed to serve, as the ability which God giveth. So that. And again notice. He's to minister. That God. And all things may be glorified. Even in his. minister Ministry of service. Of physical, taking care of the physical things. The shrubs. The lawn. The decorations. The cleaning. All those things. They're important. You know. I've said this before, you know, first impressions are lasting ones if the church is dirty. I mean, people might come here and visit and say, well, I don't know, um, the singing was good, but the church was dirty. And they may think, they must be kind of sloppy people, you know, unkept or whatever. Um, no, we're to do whatever we do, whatever whatever ability that God gives us. We're to be content in doing it and do it for his honor, for his glory. that So that he is glorified. Whether it is looking after the widows or mowing the lawn or trimming the shrubs or cleaning the church or, or doing the decorations and, or singing or playing or whatever it might be that God gives us to do. We're to do it that it glorifies our Lord Jesus Christ, that it brings praise and honor to Him. So, so as we live in the light of eternity, in the light of the Lord's coming, you know, we need to be found faithful in the church that God has placed us in using our talents and the abilities which He has given us for His glory and for His honor. How, no matter what it is, or how insignificant it may seem, it will be rewarded when we meet the Lord. You know, I think it's in Matthew's Gospel. He said, "He that giveth a cup of cold water my name," and I can't remember how it says it, but he will he will receive a reward. Uh, The 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 lad. Who gave five loaves. Was it Five loaves. Five loaves and two fishes. We will be greatly rewarded. Because he gave. What he had. You know it was said of Mary. She had done. What she. Could. God doesn't expect us to do what we. Can't. What he hasn't given us to do. He just expects us to do. Or to use the talents he has given us for his glory. So might we live in the light of eternity and use our talents to bring glory and honor to him. That when, he, when the Lord does come, when the end is at hand, we may not be ashamed before him at his coming. And may we may hear those words, well done thou good and faithful servant. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the time of your word this evening. Thank you for the practical instruction that gives us. And I pray that you'd help us as your people, as individuals of this body of believers, to use our talents and our abilities to glorify and honor you. That when we stand before you, we may hear those words, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. So just help us to be faithful. We pray in Jesus' name.